0: Five words, the Lord said to Moses. Those words begin the book of Numbers that, that describes the wanderings of the Israelites in the desert on the way to the promised land. Those words begin the book of Numbers and they appear 80 times in the book of Numbers that tells us something about what it's all about and what Moses is about too. The Lord said to Moses. We hear them here in chapter 12 in this scene of... Humility and pride and forgiveness and God and Moses and leadership. Listen to these words as I read from Numbers chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease, and he said to Moses, please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, Please, God, heal her. The Lord replied to Moses, If her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on till she was brought back. This is the word of the Lord. Interesting story here. There's a lot going on. I'm going to preach for two days. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll try to hit the highlights. Captain Sully successfully landed flight 1549 into the Hudson River in January 2009. It was an act of of heroism, an act of great skill and performance. He was interviewed after he made that emergency landing and saved 155 lives. Everyone on board made it with a few minor injuries. He attributed his prowess and his courage to really just a a bunch of little ordinary things. In, In this humble response, here's what he said. One way of looking at this might be that for 42 years, I've been making small, regular deposits in this bank of experience, education, and training. On January 15th, the balance was sufficient so that I could make a very large withdrawal. (laughs) It's not about him, is it? It's, uh... I, I think this man is not just a great pilot, but a great person. Because great people don't think they're great. Moses was great, but he's called the humblest man on the face of the earth. Moses was great, but he didn't didn't think he was great. God had called Moses from the burning bush to be the, the premier leader of two million people heading toward the promised land, the Israelites, and led them for 40 years, and God asked Aaron, his brother, and Miriam, his sister, to help him. But as people do, over the weeks and months and time spent with Moses, Miriam and Aaron became a bit edgy. They became a bit frustrated. Why aren't we in the promised land already for Pete's sake? They watched Moses and his leadership, and they themselves were leaders too, and they they developed a bit of an attitude toward Moses. He's just not doing everything the way that we would do it. And, and then they just ended up speaking up against Moses, as we heard from Numbers chapter 12, thinking that maybe they should be leaders like Moses or even leaders of Moses. So I tell you what, let's do this first of all. Were they Right? Should they have been thinking these things? I mean, maybe Moses had it all wrong. Maybe, maybe Moses was a schlunko. Maybe he, he shouldn't have been where, where he was. I mean, l- let's ask this question. How good of a leader was Moses really? Okay, there's lots of reasons. I came up with only 12. See, I'm going to go through them pretty quickly here. I'm going to tell you from the Bible what the Bible says about how great of a leader Moses is. There's, a, there's a, a couple dozen more, but these are the most obvious and real ones and biblical ones. Number one, already at birth, Moses' parents noticed that, Hebrews 11 says, they noticed he was no ordinary child. Number two, he was schooled in some of the best leadership schooling in the, on the planet because he grew up as a prince of Egypt and the Egyptians trained the royal court especially to be leaders in their excellent educational system. Three, God appeared to him personally in the burning bush and personally drafted him as God's number one draft pick To be the quarterback of the Israelites, leading them in a come-from-behind win over the Egyptians as they escaped slavery in Egypt. Number four, they escaped slavery, all right, only to come to the dead-end doom of the Red Sea. No problem for Moses, the Bible says in Exodus 14. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the waters divided and parted, providing safe dry ground for the people to pass. For the next 40 years, this is number five, for the next 40 years, Moses led this group of people, a couple million people with different opinions and different needs and complaints about how they missed Egypt. He, he led them through a time of testing and growth and learning and that's not easy in any organization. Your own family, your, your, your work, a church, it's not easy. Moses did it for for 40 years and didn't fail. Number six, God presented the Ten Commandments to Moses. Twice, actually. And other laws for the Israelites? So much so that the Bible says this about, uh, about the laws of Moses. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy. Moses met personally with God two times for periods of 40 days a 40-day summit with God on the mountain nobody else did that and then when he was done with that Moses came down from the mountain Exodus 34 says his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord who wrote the first five books of the Bible we sometimes call them the Pentateuch Moses did Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, elevating him above all of the other prophets, so that then, in the New Testament, Jesus and the New Testament writers, when they refer to the, to the prophecies, the, the writings of the prophet in the Old Testament, they, do, they refer to them in a certain way. This, happened, this is all over the New Testament. They don't say Isaiah and the prophets. They don't say Daniel and the prophets. They say Moses and the prophets. over a 1,000 years before Jesus arrived on the scene. I'm saying about 1400 B.C. is Moses. Moses personally knew Jesus Christ. He wrote about him, and he prophesied about him. I'm going to talk a little bit more later about that relationship that he had with Jesus. After 40 years, this is number 11, after 40 years... Moses, with God's blessing and help, delivered the people to the promised land, and this is what was written about him. Deuteronomy chapter 34 says, No prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. See, God himself said that that phrase in Numbers 12 today. We heard God say that same phrase, face to face. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did. None of those 11 things are true of Miriam or Aaron. None. And then Moses makes a cameo. This is number 12. Moses makes a cameo appearance in the New Testament at Jesus' transfiguration on the mountain. What does the Bible say? Luke chapter 9. Moses and Elijah appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. Moses was so great that even Jesus listened to him. And Miriam and Aaron are so great, they don't need to. Here we are in Numbers 12, verses 1 and 2. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. It's like a, you know, grandma or grandpa, you know, hearing the grandkids arguing in the other room and the grandkids don't know that grandma or grandpa hear this. And the Lord heard this. God had previously anointed Aaron, had he not? You know what Aaron's position was among the Israelites? God had anointed Aaron to be the high priest of Israel. Aaron was the supreme spiritual leader, he was the the holy man of Israel. And God had put Miriam in a position to be a prophetess. She was a spokesperson for the Lord, and she led other spirit filled women. So Moses was not confining Miriam and Aaron to a corner cubicle and and demoting them to write reports all day. That wasn't the issue. They had premier positions in the organization of Israel and in God's view and and in the leadership. So what in the world caused them to rise up so foolishly against Moses, God's chosen leader? Two things. CS Lewis writes about these two things and they're in order so pay attention to this. The first is comparing. Comparing. And then, and that leads to pride. So here's what CS Lewis says is a quote from CS Lewis in Mere Christianity. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something only out of having more of it than the next person. It is the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. Once the element of competition is gone, pride is gone, he says. See, if Moses weren't in, in the picture, Miriam and Aaron would be, they'd be feeling great about their positions of high priest and prophetess. They'd, they would just take all kinds of pleasure in serving God in that way, but because they're comparing themselves to Moses. Their pleasure is robbed by pride. It begins with comparing. Well, why don't I? Well, how come they? Well, I, surely they, they don't under- begins just with comparing. But comparing so easily transitions to complaining and complaining is twin siblings with cursing and by cursing i mean judging another person with self-superiority that finds reasons to justify this superiority in some way, that, that elevates the importance of me and escalates me above them. I can, find, I, can, I can find something in anyone to make me better than you, and I do it. And over the course of time especially, comparing leads to complaining, leads to cursing. And this is what Miriam and Aaron do. Led by Miriam, by the way, the Hebrew construction there is Miriam's the instigator here and Aaron's willingly along for the ride. And then, this is a great example. When, When we do that, compare, then complain, and then curse, a good sign that you're in that cycle of pride is how you find all kinds of reasons to complain about or curse the other person that have nothing to do with what the problem is. Did you see that in, in Miriam and, and Aaron's complaint against Moses? Their problem is that Moses is elevated as a spokesperson and they think they should be elevated too. And by the way, he has a Kushite wife. What in the world does that have to do with anything, right? They, they draw this sidelight. It's true, he had a Kushite wife. Okay, fine. But we make those things part of our argument in our own minds and hearts about why we're better than others. We can go, I can go find anything. Like, like, I'm I'm looking at a few of you today who's, you don't have the shoes on that I have on. I'm better than you are. I can look at all of you and say, you're not standing up here on stage under the lights like I am. I'm better than you. Right, we can, we can find anything to be better than anyone. And that's where they were at. And the Lord hears it. Our sinful self-importance that can just go find anything wrong with anyone and complain about it and curse them because of it is so pervasive in our lives and our hearts. And the Lord hears it. Comparing is so natural. Timothy Keller calls. He says our ego is busy. And and that echoes. That phrase echoes in my mind and heart. I I can find self superiority. I park my truck straighter than they park their truck. You're at HEB, and you see another mom with cute, cute kids, and one of your first thought, and, and one of them is just misbehaving in some way, just a little bit, or you think they are, and you just have this immediate thought, well, I'm a better mom than she is. I can tell you every day how I think I'm the superior spouse in my marriage. We... It just this complex of comparing, comparing, and we have to do it, and the Lord hears it. You think you're superior to your parents. Your parents just don't get it. I think I'm superior to other Christians and churches because I have the truth, only to realize I am a lot further from the truth than I think I am because of pride, and the Lord hears it. He says to Mo- Miriam and Aaron, uh, verses 8 and 9, why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. God saying, what? God saying, you should be more afraid of your pride than you really are. Miriam and Aaron, your, your pride, has really caused something evil again. And why weren't you more afraid of it? Miriam, Aaron, you should have been more afraid of your pride. Captain Sully and Moses teach us, great people don't think they're great. And know what else? Small people don't think they're small understand that small people don't think they're small when I don't think I'm small I think I'm great and because I think I'm great what does Jesus say that makes me small that's what that means so Miriam and Aaron were great in their own eyes but that really that really made them small and it put them under God's judgment he was angry against them he comes to moses defense the bible's very clear about my thoughts of pride that make me greater than i i am and the bible says that god opposes the proud Pride was the very reason why God kicked the devil out of heaven when the devil was a good angel and he became bad. It was pride. Pride was the very first temptation in the Garden of Eden. God says that, that he turns his face away and he will not listen to the proud. And, and that applies to any of us, even good, upstanding Law-abiding citizens and, and good members of the church who think more highly of ourselves than we ought. God says, I, "I can't stand to be in the presence of pride, but here's something else I can't stand. God can't stand to lose people He loves to the foolish sin of pride. And so what does he do to Miriam? She's the to get her here. she's leading away. So God focuses now his attention on her. And in order that he doesn't go even crazier, he just leaves the scene. But as he leaves, Miriam is stricken with leprosy, with this skin disease. And it's putrid and it's ugly and it shortens your lifespan and it it, uh, extricates you from the community. You have to, you're unclean at that point. Why? Because God wants to knock some sense into her. God wants to get her attention and for her to realize that she's not as great as she says. Aaron is the one who comes to, to, comes to the rescue. Apparently, he's coming to him, sense, his senses are ready. He sounds, his attitude sounds different here, much more repentant. Um, uh, Miriam's probably stricken so much and in shock. She doesn't have anything to say, but Aaron has something to say. Verse 11, he said to Moses, please, my Lord, that sound like... Does that sound different than before? sure does. Please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold a, against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. He says that to Moses. If Moses weren't the humblest man on the earth and he were proud, if, if Moses were to operate like I would respond here, like, like someone who's stuck in their pride, what would he do? What would he say? What would it look like? Right, Aaron, Miriam has leprosy because she acted out against Moses. Aaron's coming, oh, we're so sorry. I think pride would jab at Aaron with a sarcastic comment. It would just stab him and, and say something like, well, that's what she gets. Or maybe silence, turning a cold shoulder of, of withdrawal and just not replying to Aaron's text message that says, well, will you forgive me? I'll just let him stew for a while. That's what pride would look like if Moses were a proud man. But he's not, because Moses understands that pride between people needs to be disrupted, disrupted with the humility of grace. And that grace has been shown to Moses many times, and he shows it here. Verse 13 says, Moses cried out to the Lord, Please, God, heal her. Verse 11 said it when Aaron spoke, and verse 13 says it when Moses spoke, the very first word that each of them says. Did you catch it? Please, a humble heart and not a proud heart when talking to another person or to God is not entitled, but says the magic word. Please, Moses is a humble man. Uh, This past Thursday in our Jesus Loves Me group, we studied the the story of Palm Sunday, where Jesus, the creator of the stars and the king of the universe, rides into Jerusalem humbly on a donkey. So I I told them I'd save this story for for today. So here it is so I can share with all of you. So let's pretend that it's Palm Monday now, all right? This Holy Week is not Palm Sunday anymore. It's the Monday, it's the day after. And Jesus rode this this young donkey into Jerusalem, right? And people waved and sang and they threw their garments down and they waved palm branches, right? And so that donkey wakes up on Monday morning and it's had the best sleep ever. And this young donkey is just so excited, just filled with pleasure and pride. And I was the donkey that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. I'm going to go into town and I'm going to show myself to them. And the young donkey struts into town. He says, I think I'll go to the well where everyone will be waiting for me. He walks to the well and he says, here I am. That's what pride says when it enters a room. Humility when it enters a room says, there you are. Pride when it enters a room says, here I am. And the young donkey said, here I am. Nobody noticed. He said, your garments throw your garments down. And they looked at him like he's really weird, especially a talking donkey, right? So someone slapped him on the tail and said, move on little donkey. They don't know who they're talking to. Don't they realize who I am? I will go to the marketplace, the young donkey thinks, because that's where the smart people are. That's where the good people are at the marketplace, not like these wow people. And he struts off to the marketplace and he enters the marketplace and he says, here I am. Everybody keeps talking to each other. They don't notice. They keep buying and selling, and he gets a little perturbed. He's still, don't they understand? Who I am? He said, the, the palm branches. Like yesterday, the palm branches. Where are the palm branches? Throw the palm branches down. And they look at him like he's strange, especially because he's a talking donkey. They slap him on the tail, and they say, move on, young donkey. And he walks back home with his tail between his legs and goes to mom. With tears in his eyes mom they just don't understand it's not they're not the same people that they were yesterday something is so wrong with those people i'm not sure if those people and his mom says oh foolish child don't you realize that without jesus you are nothing moses was a very humble man The Bible says in Numbers 12, verse 3. What did that look like? What did it look like right here in this story? We have Moses being unfairly accused in an unjust way that's not right. And what did Moses do? What didn't he do? Moses didn't rise up to his own defense immediately after Miriam and Aaron accuse him of something that isn't really true at all. Moses doesn't publicly protest to protect his own name because he, somehow he has to protect his integrity because Miriam and Aaron are now unjustly accusing him. We have Moses trusting in the Lord. Without the Lord, Moses knows, I'm, I'm nothing anyway. I'll let the Lord handle this. And he does. How can a person like Moses be so great and yet so small? How can a CEO of a successful company be, be so in charge and so leading the way and yet so down to earth and humble and, and kind? How can you get ahead in life and yet at the same time practice humility? All of those are possible with those who have the humility of Moses. And the humility of Moses, let me tell you this humility has a lot to do with confidence. Proud people are not confident, they are insecure. Humble people are secure and confident. You are secure and confident when you're a donkey and the Lord is riding on you. You're insecure when he's not even on your radar. You see that? Moses was secure. He was clear about his identity. He was clear about the purpose that God had for him. When he, when he stayed focused on that, it was like Peter walking on the water, right? Staying focused on Jesus, on his mission that God, it, Moses was clear, he was confident. He didn't have to rise up in defense against Miriam, against Aaron. He knew the Lord would take care of it, and he did. You have that same reason that Moses had, the humblest man on the earth, to be confident with clarity about who you are, about what God thinks of you, about the purpose that he has given you in this life, and about the things that you need to do and the things that you don't need to worry about. You can be like Moses, who is, who is the humblest man on the face of the earth, and yet I tell you this, there is one who is even more humble than Moses. There is one who wasn't just of the earth, but was of heaven. There is one who is both man and God, who is even more humble than Moses was, and even greater than Moses could ever be. The Bible says this, Hebrews 3, Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. (laughs) Jesus became even more humble than Moses was humble. Because Jesus, in humility, didn't consider equality with God something that he would grasp onto and hang onto. But but Philippians says he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant and becoming obedient even to death on a cross. In order to save you, Jesus had to become lower than you. And he was willing to do that. Why? Because Jesus had confidence and clarity too. Jesus had clarity from the Father about what his mission was. He had confidence in his Father that his Father was leading him on the right path. And oh, the blood. Read it. Read it in Exodus and in Numbers and in Hebrews. Moses sprinkles blood as part of the old covenant. He sprinkles blood all over the place. He sprinkles it uh, in the tabernacle. He even sprinkles it on the people. There's, There's blood, but there's nothing of Moses' blood that even compares the blood that Moses throws. It's animal's blood, not his own, right? But there's nothing that compares like Jesus' blood. Hebrews says again, chapter nine, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, Hebrews nine, verses 14 and 15. One of the things that made Moses great was that a thousand years, more than a thousand years before Jesus came, Moses, not just, he didn't just write about Jesus, but he acted in ways, like sprinkling the blood, acted in ways that foreshadowed Jesus himself. One of those we see right here in this story. Did you catch it? Moses was sinned against by Miriam and Aaron? Aaron? A repentant Aaron pleaded with Moses, please help us. And Moses interceded. Moses stepped in between the sinners and a holy God and pleaded with the holy God, please have mercy on Miriam, please heal her, please forgive my brother and sister. Moses was an intercessor, a mediator. And now here in Hebrews, it says that Christ is the mediator of the new covenant. And the new covenant is forgiveness of sins through Jesus, who steps in between God's holiness and us and says, everything's okay because of me. When when Jesus is, is that important to you as your Savior, You have God's approval. You don't need anyone else's approval. Moses didn't need Miriam and Aaron's approval. He knew he had the Lord's approval. No love is greater to you than the love that Jesus has for you and your love for him. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's your confidence and your clarity that allows you to be humble just like Moses was. In uh, Robert Duvall's movie, The Apostle, Sonny, he's the main character. He's played by Robert Duvall. One of, the, one of the neatest scenes in that movie is when Sonny, who is a... He's a pious, but flawed, uh, and not-so-pious preacher. And he's full of pride. And uh, Sonny... Uh, there's a couple things here. I hope this isn't a spoiler if you haven't seen the movie. But he, he kills his wife's lover. And then... He tries to skip out of town and start a new life, okay? This is, the, this is the base of the movie now. So one of the scenes is that Sonny, this, uh, this proud, pious, but flawed preacher, uh, he wades into a lake, and in the lake, he prepares to baptize himself, and probably not for the first time, right? So he looks up to heaven, and he says, "Oh Lord God! I humbly beseech thee with the greatest of humility. When people say that and they're raising their hands and looking up into the sky, it's probably not true. With the greatest of humility that I be baptized as an apostle of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ of Nazareth with your gracious permission, I now baptize myself as an apostle. (laughs) Boy, did he think he was great. Don't think you're that great. Be like Moses. God has already baptized you. God has already appointed you to be a messenger of his, like Moses. A servant of his, like Moses. A leader of his, like Moses. God has already approved of you. God has already made you great just like Moses, who was so small and yet so great because of Jesus, who is smaller than us all and yet greater than us all too. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you Lord God for this message today. It's so real to us. We see ourselves in the story in Miriam and Aaron, we see ourselves and in Moses too and and in Jesus who is in the story as the mediator. We pray that that you Jesus would be a bigger part of our of our humility so that we can step out against pride. We pray that we would walk this week with with you more on our hearts, with this story ringing in our ears. And have the clarity and the confidence of the forgiveness of sins, of our baptism, and of your love on the cross for us that can truly be humble as we trust all to you. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.